Standby. Hello, this is Penn Jillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the lackadaisical Librocubicularist podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I would potentially enjoy it. A ringing endorsement. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the Libro Cube. Uh, my name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the lackadaisical Libro Cubicalist. Today, my friends, is her video games day. That's her video games day. Combining Thursdays and video games is, is what has happened. They've been mashed together, and I cannot get them apart, nor do I want to. Nor. Something I should say, as this is the top of the show, and it is something I say at the top of every show, is that there will be spoilers. Uh, for me, video game spoilers never really matter too, too much. If I had a video game's story spoiled for me, I would still play it for the reason that, let's be 100% Amish here, video game stories are not really good, usually. That's not a hard and fast rule. We'll, we'll obviously point to The Last of Us, which has an amazing story that rivals many, many movie stories, but that is sort of the exception to the rule of a video game story being kind of, uh, you know, you know what, I, I just said that, but the story in the video game I brought back today, titled The Puppeteer, has a very, very good story. So, uh, you know, I don't want to poo-poo video game stories across the board. It's just, they're not always on par with movie stories. I think that's a fair, fair thing to say. I don't know why I'm going down this rabbit hole. <laughs> I didn't mean to. This is just the goddamn show opening. We're not supposed to talk about all this. In this section, plus I'm on a time constraint here, so I should say that, if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million credits. <laughs> no! That is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes, as that is what helps podcasts grow larger, not grow smaller, grow larger. You pass it to a friend, you say, hey, you might like this. You pass it to an enemy, you say, hey, you might like this, when you know they won't like it. Regardless, pass the podcast on the left-hand side. Uh, I suppose that will take us into our last piece of podcast-related business, which is today's sponsor, which is Professor Parker's Puppet String Emporium. Once again, today's sponsor is Professor Parker's Puppet String Emporium. Thank you to them for sponsoring this. Ah, uh, behind-the-scenes action time. And that is me talking. All the talking that has preceded this has been just the show opening. And I am not going to talk about the video game in question, specifically Puppeteer, as well as The Room 2. Uh, until several days from now. For you, it will seem like much less time. For the reason that I will not record the several days between the recording of the opening and the actual factual show. 
You're welcome. I could just record two days of my life and then post it all at once so you have to wait to hear me start talking about Puppeteer and The Room 2 in this third Video Games Day episode, but I will not do that. Again, you are welcome. It is because I love and care about you, each and every one of you, especially you. Especially you. Yeah, so that's behind-the-scenes action. Further behind-the-scenes is that uh, I recorded three openings at once on one drive home, which I've never done before. If you listen to... Uh, it's kind of hard for me to keep track when I do so of the order of things that things are going to be posted. But uh, I explained it in my last book, The Wednesday episode, where I talked of Stephen King's Just After Sunset... I explained the deal and why I thought this was a good idea. Uh, when it comes to the puppeteer in the room two, I have completed the room two. Fucking awesome game, and that's before I've even started talking about it. Uh, the puppeteer, I still got I think one more weekend of play in it. I got a fair amount of notes, but it's not 100% done yet. So that's another reason why it's good for me to. Uh, record just the opening and not the actual episode yet, because I ain't done it yet. I ain't finished it. I think uh, one more weekend, plugging away, I'll get her done. Plus, it is a long weekend here in Ontario, within the country of Canada, because it is something we have that's called Family Day. Family Day came around, what was it, maybe five? Was it five... Uh, you know what, I was about to say five years ago, but maybe it was close to like 15 years ago. I don't know. It's not something we always had, uh, but I like it very, very much for the reason that uh, it's a holiday in February that falls always near my birthday. This year falls specifically on my birthday. Yes. So uh, it almost feels as if like the government's like, uh, sitting around saying, hey, you know what? That Jordan character, he's a pretty good guy. Why don't we make his birthday a stat holiday so he doesn't have to work it, but he'll still get paid for it? Thank you, government, which is not something you hear people say very often, but I'm gonna goddamn well say it here. Thank you, government. All right, folks, I'm gonna push this button that says transition. And then we'll uh, start talking about Puppeteer and The Room 2. Those are two separate titles, just by the way. Puppeteer is a game, and The Room 2 is a game. Just fly. Pushing button now! Transition! Puppeteer! Puppeteer! Is the game we're going to talk about. Luckily, I remembered, or more accurately, perhaps, wrote myself a little note that I already did the opening for this episode, despite the fact that that was like almost a goddamn week ago, which I think wins the award for longest time between recording of openings and recording of actual episodes. So I have no idea what I said in the opening. Let's assume that it was goddamn hilarious. Goddamn. Puppeteer, not the Puppeteer, just Puppeteer, is a game, because this is a third video games day, that right there makes sense right off the bat, which is nice. Uh, if you are a PlayStation Plus member, and I hope you are, you got this game for free, just like I did, got it for free. And uh, if you go on GameSpot, which is where I get most, if not all, of my video game ratings and reviews 
and previews and news and other thing that ended news. Uh, this game gets 9 out of 10, which uh, is a very high rating, because 10 is the highest you can get. For my rating, since I have a 5-point scale, I'm going to go a 4. Uh, yeah, 4 out of 5. A fairly substantially solid 4 out of 5. The reason I am taking a mark off and not giving it a 5 out of 5 is that... Uh, despite the fact that this game is perhaps not aimed at children, it's aimed at a younger audience as far as the story matter is concerned. However, it's pretty tough. Like, if I was, I don't know, seven years old, let's say, playing this video game, which has a, a somewhat childlike story, a little bit, There's there, it's almost like a, uh, like a SpongeBob SquarePants, though, where... It is made for kids, however, there is the odd uh, joke and what have you, nod to the fact that there's going to be adults playing this, which I, I always appreciate. Anyways, what I was saying is, uh, despite that fact, this game gets tough. Tough in the form just about every time of uh, jumping, platforming situations. And, um, you know what, maybe I'm thinking of, I'm coming at this the whole wrong way. Maybe it's easier for a seven-year-old because their uh, reflexes are not that of a 33-year-old, which I turned yesterday. 33, that is. Maybe my reflexes are not what they once used to. But uh, I found some of the platformings difficult. Not impossible, because I, well, beat the game eventually. Uh -huh. But uh, frustrating sometimes. Like, uh, I've said this before in video games that quite often, if I am at a part in a video game where I die, you know, four, five, ten times in a row, I may just give up and not play that game anymore. Say, well, I gave you a chance and you blew it and not, and then not play it. That happened a couple of times, probably never more than five times dying in the same spot. Uh, occasionally I did even stop playing, but because I enjoyed the story and the gameplay for the most part as a whole, uh, I did revisit every single time and eventually, as I say, completed it. The story, <laughs> uh, it's, it's a strange one, which again, I'm going to appreciate a little bit. You play um, Chutaro. It kind of has a bit of a Howl's Moving Castle, uh, the guy who makes that movie sort of Japanese anime vibe throughout. The art style, I'd give 5 out of 5, incredibly beautiful to behold, and very, very interesting, in fact, unlike anything I've ever seen. Well, you know what, I take that back. It's a little... <laughs> I immediately take back that sentence. It's a little like um, Little Big Planet, that sort of sewn-together art style, which I may, I think makes sense a little bit, since we're talking puppets, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. And... All of the action that is actually happening, the telling of the story, is being done as a sort of puppet play. Uh, and being narrated by... Oh, shit. You know what? I meant to look out the name of the voice actor who narrated this, because that was another sort of... And maybe I'll put it in here. Jordan, see if you can maybe find that and put in his name here. The narrator's name is Stephen Grief, G-R-E-I-F. Uh, he looks a little familiar. 
And he's done 180 acting roles and stuff, so, you know, he's been around. Back to the show. Anyways, uh, the reason I wanted to mention that is because, like with Stephen Fry, I uh, see, I didn't know his name, in Little Big Planet, uh, similar looking as well as picked a really, really good narrator. This guy is not quite as good as Stephen Fry, because who is, let's face it, but uh, he was very, very good. Anyways, he's sort of telling the story, and we are to believe the story is unfolding on a stage, so there's always sort of uh, like curtains at the side and spotlights and a whole sort of stage vibe. And then when you move from scene to scene, it's quite often as if the scenes themselves are being changed by people. That, that sort of idea. Very, very cool. And, and I liked how they went about that. So the story is about how the Moon Bear King... Yes, that is what I said. Moon Bear King. He's a king of the moon who's a bear. I suppose the name is rather district descriptive, yes? He's not such a nice guy and wants to take over the moon and is stealing souls from the little boys and girls of Earth. So I have to free those souls and stop his tyrannical reign. Aha! I am, or rather my character is, a puppet without a head. Yeah, I lost my head. So, this is where the first sort of interesting gameplay comes in, in that I have to collect heads. <laughs> little dark, actually, when you think about it. I have no heads, so I spend my entire game collecting heads and trying not to lose them. So the way that affects the gameplay is that you can have on your person at any given time three different heads that you can interchange at the push of a button. Every time you are hit by a bad guy or a spike or fall off a cliff or whatever, any time you take damage, one of these heads will fly off, and if you don't catch it in time, which is usually, mm, I'm going to go probably close, oh, I bet you this is close, 50% of the time that I got hit, I was able to uh, retrieve my head before it disappeared, because you have a couple of seconds where it's bouncing around, and uh, when you lose all three of your heads, that is when you die, which will happen from time to time, let me tell you. There's not a huge, huge amount in the way of things you collect. There are heads. Despite the fact by the end of the game, I thought I was, or had rather, collected the vast majority of heads that you could collect. Uh, it turns out, no, that was not the case, because you can go into, like, a uh, little museum of heads and see all the heads you have... <laughs> see all the heads you have captured, and I had a bunch of empty spots. So, uh, collecting heads, and then stars and souls. Stars... Might as well just call them Mario coins, because when you collect 100, you get an extra life. Yay, that. And then souls are uh, the souls of kids. Usually that involves defeating bad guys, which will then release these kids' souls and send them back to Earth. Yay, saving kids' souls. I have, through most of the gameplay, the help of a almost Zelda Navi-style fairy... Uh, she is the son's daughter. Uh, that's confusing. I mean the son, as in the, you know, celestial body, the son, whose daughter has been turned into a fairy, so she is going to help me on my quest. Uh, that's kind of cool because you can move Artur around, of course, 
but you can also move this girl around the screen and she can sort of like search things for you or activate certain switches and stuff like that. So you could potentially for probably 99% of the game just totally ignore her and never touch, never touch her side of the controller and activate anything or search out things. Uh, you'd be doing yourself a disservice, so I wouldn't recommend it, but uh, it's kind of interesting. You know what? Uh, and I don't know if this is something that can happen, but I imagine it could, just the way it's worked out. Can you play two-player in this game? I never actually... because I don't have anyone to play with. The missus will not play video games as a sort of general rule, but she would have been good in the role of this son-daughter-princess thing. Oh, shit. I just drove by a snowplow that was in the ditch. So, <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a snowplow in the ditch. That's crazy. Okay, so, um, this game is long. So if I had paid for this game, which I did not, because it was free for PlayStation Plus members, as I mentioned, I would have really got my bang for my buck. Like, there is just a shit ton of levels. It took me, I think, three weeks of... And two of those... It took me, I think, three weekends, and two of those weekends were long weekends to uh, complete this game. Just uh, It's broken up into levels and acts, so each level will have three acts. Again, following that sort of, uh, this, is, this is a play going on theme. Uh, my main weapon is something I get fairly early on, stolen from the Moonbear King, and that is Calabras. Which is a set of scissors. Magical scissors. If you are a puppet, having scissors comes in quite handy, let me tell you. You can you use these scissors in just sort of innumerable ways. Uh, probably coolest is actually comes into play when platforming. So say there's a tree that you need to get to the top of, and I'm just using sort of a, a boring example. There's much better examples. Uh, the tree will have leaves that you can use to sort of cut your way up the tree using these scissors. Over the course of the game, you're sort of constantly unlocking new powers and items. This is done through defeating bosses. The bosses in this game are... They're, they're varied in the sense that they're all different, like, animals, and some of the gameplay, and some of their actions and attacks that they have are different, but for almost the most part, the way in which you defeat every boss kind of follows a very, very similar formula. The formula gets more more advanced uh, the further you go into the game because you're gathering all of these new uh, abilities. So once I gather an ability, that will mean most likely, in fact, I think always, that the next boss I encounter, I'll use all my previous abilities along with this new one, and because there's, oh, I didn't write down how many levels, but I think it was seven. And that's seven times three, so that's the amount of bosses you're going to be facing. Uh, sort of like the first two bosses are, I guess you could say, mid-level bosses, and then you fight the main boss. Like a tiger, giant snake, uh, monkey, all in the form of animals. Uh, horse, horse and cow, car hybrids. Yeah, so it's like if a horse had sex with a cow. No, no. A horse and a car had sex, and this would be what their baby looked like. And then a cow and a, and a truck had sex, and then this is what their baby would look like. Yeah. Some weird, <laughs> weird shit like that, which I like. 
Pipe. At the end of each of these acts, you are collecting, oh, this is the one final, I guess, thing you are collecting, pieces of moonstone, which you need in order to beat the Moon Bear King. Why do you need them? I don't know. Some crazy story. Deus Ex Machina thing. Uh, some one dig I might have against it is, well, let, let me explain. What's most, some, most of the levels are very, very typically themed in that you got your sort of pirate level, little desert level, castle level, uh, cold level, fro like frozen level there. Uh, all, all things we've seen a million times. Now, the way in which they use these levels uh, is good and interesting and always seems to make sense with the theme. So I'd give them points for that. But it would be nice to experience different levels that you've never seen before, especially in this game that is just oozing with creativity left, right, and center. Halloween level, candy level. Uh, a lot of these levels will introduce different gameplays as well. I think one of my favorite ones was that, that candy level I just mentioned. You apparently, almost accidentally, or were tricked into eating a shit ton of candy, which made your character round. Round, roly-poly. So uh, you spend, and this is something that creeps up from time to time, that level racing downhill, uh, just roly-poly. You're basically turned into sort of a giant ball and got to make your way downhill, which uh, is something although in different forms every time that happens, I guess at least once each level, yeah, probably, where it'll be a race. Not necessarily a race, just like you'll hop on, um, you'll hop on various things that are fast. Like when you're underwater, is it a seahorse? No, is it a jellyfish? No, it was a, I don't remember what it was. Crab? No, crabs aren't very fast. Anyways, the level will start and you'll hop on something and that will then careen off. You're going left to right. Actually, it's kind of funny. I say you're going left to right. There was one very, very brief bit where you're going um, right to left, and that confused the hell out of me because you're not used to doing that in a video game. Actually, in the space level, uh, occasionally you would be left to right, but you would be on top because you'd be like on the quote-unquote roof because of gravity and some and such. Uh, another thing that happened, uh, I think it was three times, is racing atop something. Uh, once on top of a train, the sort of classic, or was it a snake train? It was a train that was a snake. Or was it a train that was a train? Okay, once that was a train, once that was a snake, those may have been the same and I'm misremembering. Once on top of, uh, and this is very late in the game, on top of a dragon. That was fun. Uh, as I've said quite often in Movie Monday episodes, when there is action, and that action is taking place on top of a train, it makes that action much, much more exciting. So uh, it was nice to experience that in a video game. I'm not sure if I ever really have. And plus, one of them was like on top of a goddamn dragon. So, yeah, pretty cool. Talking dragon, did I mention? Or no, was he talking? No, he, he did talk. He had kind of a weird voice, though. A not dragony voice. A not Benedict Cumberbatchy dragony voice. Okay, so all of this is sort of building up to our battle with the Moon Bear King. We had much to fight along the way and much help along the way in the form of uh, a good pirate, a seemingly evil but actually good witch. She was there for most of it, kind of hag like. She actually looks like that. Is it from Howl's Moving Castle? Oh, I don't remember. 
the sort of witchy woman from that looks very, very similar to that. Or is it... I don't know if I'm thinking of the right anime. Anyways, this is not a movie Monday. This is a her video games day. Flying Cat helps a little bit. I think the very last... Uh, I think it was even the last three acts of level seven involved going against Moonbear King. First was going against his castle, which looked just like Howl's Moving Castle. I keep making that comparison, but if you've seen Howl's Moving Castle and seen the Moonbear King's Moving Castle, they looked very, very similar. So a, a lot of, uh, let's just call it borrowing from anime, I do believe. Uh, that was cool because we're sort of fighting with cannons, and uh, then I would shoot myself over to his castle, take things apart a little bit, a little sabotage, and then shoot myself back and forth. Eventually, you're going against the man, the myth, the legend himself, Moonbear King. A very good sense of scope for this final battle, which again, is not too unusual in the form of video games, but <laughs> I like how they went about it. For example, as with any boss, especially end boss, it's gonna be broken up into stages. The first stage of fighting Moonbear King is you're fighting just his legs. <laughs> So you're like the size, probably, of one of his toes. That's the sort of sense of scale it is giving you. You'll have to fight these feet, and then eventually you'll reach a point in the series of fights where it'll sort of stop and you'll cut him down to size, literally. So then he had like these little stubby legs, right, attached to his torso. So then I had to fight his torso. Then I had to fight his arms. And then, last but certainly least, I had to fight just his head. <laughs> You'd think when it was just his head, that would kind of be it. But no, you got to fight his head as well. Constantly sort of jumping and jiving and using your various abilities that you have accrued along the way, and then reaching a point where it's... They use, unfortunately, a little bit quick time events to end most of these battles. It didn't feel onerous, or it didn't feel like it didn't fit per se, and it's not like that's all the boss battles were, were quick time events, so I didn't hate it, but quick time events always seem sort of lazy. So basically the game's ends, the game's ends? The game ends with me cutting Moonbear King down to side. Yeah. Because this, as I mentioned, very, very sort of kiddie themed and storied and written, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. Uh, it turns out that the Moonbear King wasn't such a bad guy after all. And it was more just, uh, he was a regular little bear, like a stuffed teddy bear, who uh, was lonely and started to be a dick in order to get attention, and then he turned into this giant bear thing. And once I cut him down to size, I became friends with him. And we all, presumably, lived happily ever after. The end. If you can't, if you're, if you're someone who just plays like a Call of Duty and that's the only style of game you play, there's no way you're going to play a game like this. If you're like me and like to play a wide, wide, wide variety of games and experience different things within your video game playing universe, I think there's much potential for you to like this game. So again, four out of five. Check it out. Let me know what you think, even. Uh, I'm at work, and I do will have a little bit to talk about after I finish work. Uh, I didn't write down any notes, which is why it'll probably be just a little bit. And it's, a, I think, potentially a hard game to talk about. And that is, of course, a little uh, 
iPhone game or iPad or iToaster called The Room 2. Uh, I think maybe even right when I started this podcast, uh, I played The Room 1 and brought it back. Hmm. It's, it's been that sort of long since since the original. I do believe possibly maybe, I don't know 100%. But I will be back to speak briefly of it because it deserves a mention because it's friggin' awesome. Five out of five for that, just in case I forget to rate it later. Rate it later. I will be back in a period of time. For you, it will seem like no time because I will edit, edit, edit to say, love you, tears. I'm a fool to do your dirty working. And we're back. We are back. We are back. We are back. We are back. 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 We are back. Back in action. Hello again. Welcome back, Mr. Carter. Oh man, that is a joke that somehow, some way, I have found a way to not do in 260 some odd episodes. And that's impressive. The fact that I finally broke down and did it. It was just a matter of time, and to be 100% honest with you, I'm kind of proud of myself that I, uh, I held off this long. So, you know, you're welcome. Sure, sure, we'll go with, you're welcome. (coughs) Okay, so, uh, briefly The Room 2. Briefly, for the reason that my entire notes for The Room 2 consist of me saying, me writing down the words, the... Room 2. That's all I got. If you have a iPhone or an iPad or an iDevice of any kind, I want you to buy the Room 1 and then buy this, the Room 2. The Room 1, probably like a dollar now, and this was, I think it might have been $4.99, which even I will admit for an iPhone game is a little on the pricey side, which is kind of funny when you think about it that we consider that to be pricey when we're paying, you know, $60 for a new uh, console game, right? Now, there are differences. Probably chief among them is the length of time that these games take to complete. And the Room 2 and the Room 1, they're, for iPhone games, I think they're... They feel substantial. They feel meaty. That's just because the gameplay is so incredible and you can sort of hop in and hop out willy-nilly. You will find yourself, probably, if I had to guess, like myself, uh, having trouble putting it down. If I have not mentioned yet, you may already have come to the realization that these two games are and have been my absolute favorite iTunes, iPhone gaming experiences. They are the only games where I will not sort of play during downtime. Like, I will literally set aside time to play these games. I will play with the sound on, which is not something I normally do with games on my iPhone. I'll normally, say, be lying in bed with the missus. Maybe I'll play just a couple of minutes of some game. I won't even bother with turning the sound on. These, I'll, like, say, okay, from for this next hour, I'm going to envelop envelop myself with this experience. Uh, This is a game I would play on a console, this is a game I would play on a computer, I would play it on a toaster oven, if such a thing um, ever happened. How do I describe this game is sort of the problem, because it is difficult to describe.
describe kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. I suppose you could boil it down to a room escape game, which is a somewhat new, I think primarily mobile-based genre. 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 Oh yeah, I think that last one was good. Genre. Which is, again, basically boiled down is you find yourself in a room and you have to get out of that room and it will involve various puzzles and tricks and things like that in order to do so. Now, this, the room one and the room two, should be set above all other types of this for the reason that it is beautiful. There is just to behold, to look at. Uh, there's an actual story that uh, I found interesting and want to know more about. The story has a kind of, if you've ever read, oh shit, uh, I'm having a brain fart, and it's either, I guess, what happens if you don't have notes. Well, even when I do have notes, my name curse prevents me from writing down names or remembering them, so this probably would happen regardless. Wrote about Cthulhu. Try HP Lovecraft, you idiot. God. What the hell is that guy's name? Oh, that's gonna bug me too. Anyways, it has kind of that, uh, that vibe to it, the story. And this game, another thing it reminds me of is a uh, Frankenstein game I had for the PC uh, that had sort of live action elements where Tim Curry was Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah, that Tim Curry, which I used to... I, I never completed it, and I was very frustrated that I could not do so. This was back in the days before you could just go on a site and say, you know, how do, how do I complete this video game? <laughs> this was pre-walkthrough days that I was playing this game. That's how old I am. But uh, it reminded me a bit of that as well. And it's almost not so much as an escape of the room game as it is a find yourself in a room with a strange box or a series of strange boxes. Not always box, could be cabinets, could be just a table full of odd items and you have to figure out how to open this box, which will then take you to the next room. So it's not, I guess technically you're going from room to room, and the interesting thing about that as well is it's not even so much room to room as has the feel of sort of dimension to dimension. Very, very crazy. The puzzles, this is, uh, I think, one of the main th reasons that I'm blown away with this game is if you've ever played sort of point-and-click anythings, point-and-click games in general, there's always, not always, but 90% of the time, you're going to reach a puzzle where the quote-unquote logic is just so ridiculous that there's no way any reasonable human being would be able to figure out what to do next without a hint of some sort. What this game does amazingly is rarely, if ever, will you find yourself in a situation like that. I'm not saying the puzzle, and this is the other underlying amazing thing, I'm not saying these puzzles are easy, and there's lots of searching and sort of deductive reasoning you're going to have to do, but it's always 90-some-odd percent of the time logical, which uh, I think is incredibly hard to do, and the fact that they do it consistently, uh, just, just an amazing thing. You run across something that is seemingly not logical, or you reach a point where you don't know what to do next, there is a hint system. Luckily, it's nice that it's there, and I tried never to use it, 
it was only if, like, say I went 10, 15 minutes without being able to figure out what to do next, then you could use it. And uh, the way it is used is uh, you'll, you'll have three separate hints sort of available that are, and this is something good they did that makes you try to figure it out rather than use the hints, is that you'll get hint number one, which will usually be kind of vague, and again, 99 times out of 100, it'll be vague, but it'll be enough to point you into the right direction so you can figure it out for yourself, which is genius. Hit number two, maybe a little more in-depth, pointing to sort of a specific area that you have to look at, just as an example. And a cool thing about this hint system is you do not have access to hints one through three all at once. A certain amount of time, which I don't know how much time, Anyways, a certain amount of time has to pass before the next hint is revealed to you. Hint three will usually be pretty close of go here and do this. So I can't say I never had to get to hint three to figure out what to do next. Okay, uh, I guess we'll end it with as far as the room two is. Uh, my final thing that I am so happy about when it comes to this game is the fact that it's not over. You reach the end of the story and it's not really the end. Things are gonna happen. Oh, you know what? Story-wise, I feel like I want to talk more about it all of a sudden. Story-wise, uh, very, very creepy, and there's certain moments in this game where, like, serious creeps were given. Goosebumpily, oh my god, shit, what the fuck's happening? Creeps. And I liked it. So you managed to do that whole review without really giving anything away, so you can experience it for yourself. I hope, hope you do. If you do do, ha ha ha, do do. Let me know what you think about it. Do you, like me, give it a 5 out of 5? Ha ha, yeah. Alright folks, so uh, that was a Heart Video Games Day episode. There is no denying it. I suppose there is one thing I should say before we wrap this up. And that is, it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address, mailwood.jordan at gmail.com. And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come, come the day you're mine Live long and prosper